0: And welcome back to Sharp Scratch, you're listening to episode 89, What's in a Name? This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where medical students, junior doctors and expert guests come together and discuss all the things you need to know to be a good doctor but you might not get taught in medical school. I'm Charlotte and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ, looking after all the content that BMJ Student will be producing this year. I've also just finished my fifth year as a medical student at the University of Oxford. Today, we're joined by previous host and editorial scholar Nikki. Nikki, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, thank you, Charlotte. Always lovely to be back. My name is Nikki, and I'm a final year medical student at the University of Manchester. And as Charlotte said, I'm also a past editorial scholar here at the BMJ.
0: So nice to have you with us today. I can't believe this is our first time recording together.
1: I know, I was just thinking that. I can't believe that. I've been drowning in finals <laughs> and uh, UK FPO applications, but I'm back. Okay, well,
0: it's really nice to have you here. And I'd also like to welcome our two expert guests today, um, Anna Bavistock and Evelyn Mensah. Um So Anna, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm
2: chuckling because I'm not sure about an expert. But anyway, hello, <laughs> my name is Anna Bavistock. I'm a paediatrician down in very watery Somerset. Um, and I also have a role um, in kind of well, well-being well within the trust and also really passionate about kindness, civility and inclusion. So
3: naming is really important to me. Hello. Hi, my name is Evelyn Mensah, otherwise known as Evie. Everyone's called me Evie since my school days. Um, I'm a consultant ophthalmic surgeon and I work in a um, London um, large acute uh, trust in uh, northwest London. I'm very happy to have been invited uh, to this rather interesting podcast. And I also chuckled when you said expert, and I thought, <laughs> expert at what? Oh my gosh.
0: Thank you both so much for joining us. Um, and just to say, we got in touch with these speakers through the Women Speakers in Healthcare Network, which is a really great resource. And you can check out their website or their Twitter um, at Women Speakers HC. so yeah some supervisors say kind of call me bob but others insist on being called dr jones in thinking about this episode we were reflecting on what types of supervisor fall into each camp and why sometimes using professional titles feels like kind of honoring someone's hard work but other times it feels like a way of putting you in your place um, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the title Doctor. We'll talk about when and how it should be used and discuss our own experience with this. We'll talk about how some people get called Doctor far less than others, but also how titles can sometimes create strange power dynamics and unhealthy hierarchies in medicine. Um, so, Anna Evie, I thought we'd start off by asking you how you usually introduce yourselves to colleagues or patients or students, um, and yeah, whether this differs on who, like, depending on who you're talking to. So I, I'm i a pediatrician, so I, obviously my patients are largely children and young people.
2: So it tends to be a version of Anna or Dr. Anna, depending on who I'm meeting. Um, also in outpatients, I guess I have the advantage that often they know who they're coming to see because there's been a letter, but I always clarify it. How I introduce myself to the parents probably depends, again, on how familiar I am with them, whether they've known me before. Um, I tend to say a combination of either Dr. Anna Bavistock or I'm Anna Bavistock, consultant paediatrician, because often they've seen a registrar before. It's been really interesting because since I knew I was doing this podcast, I've been really self-aware of how I introduce (laughs) myself. There really isn't one way. In a meeting, it always fascinates me. But if I'm meeting other professionals within the Trust, other professionals regionally or nationally, I sit quietly on the meeting and I watch how everyone does it. I tend to, the important thing for me is Anna. I'm really happy to be referred to as Anna. Um, and I was reflecting before coming on, I've actually been a doctor longer than I haven't been a doctor. I'm, you know, in my early 50s. And I can remember when I was first a doctor, I grabbed onto that title with both hands and used it as every opportunity. I put it on bank cards. I was really proud of it. I particularly like the fact that I didn't have to say tell anyone whether I was a miss or a missus. Are you a miss or a missus? No, I'm a doctor. And I really like that aspect to it. Um, so I'm really flexible with how I introduce myself and probably I have the advantage of age. People, because I'm a bit older, re- recognise me as the doctor and recognise me as, as the consultant. So I don't often have to clarify that. When I was younger, it was really different and perhaps we can come on to that.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Evie, does that kind of resonate with you as well? Do you kind of follow a similar, similar method when introducing see, I, yourself?
3: I, I, I think there's a difference. Well, when you're a medical student, you're a medical student. So when I would go and see patients or interact with um, anybody in the wider team, then I'm Evie, you know, or Eve Lemensa when I qualified as a doctor and when you're when you're qualified as a doctor and you then go on to the wards you don't necessarily want people to think that you're still a medical student and then the other caveat which I've just realized that people may not know is that I identify as a black African British so I'm visibly I'm a black woman all right so in London The majority of our black workforce are nurses. So you see, I've got this sort of like intersectionality, um, which makes things slightly different for me. Now, if I'm introducing myself to patients, I say, hello, my name is Evelyn Mensah and I am one of the consultants. I never use my title. And I'll tell you the reason why, because I'm now not a doctor. When I qualified and got my certificate of completion of training I became Miss and I'm married so when my patients if they knew I was a surgeon and they knew they would actually say oh Mrs Mensa but I'm not Mrs Mensa I'm Miss Mensa so um there are caveats to um what how I introduce myself and the situations in in which I introduce myself
0: yeah definitely I feel like so much of this is going to be based on the context of like how we're discussing this and you know what environment we're in um and Nikki sort of how do you usually introduce yourself as a medical student on placement but also how do you address the doctors do you have like a yeah,
1: it's, it's interesting. Well, I think the classic introduction for every medical student is "Hi, I'm Nikki. I'm a fifth-year medical student," at, and it's everyone knows their spiel, right from OSCE's and things. But one thing I was just reflecting on is that as um, I was listening to Anna and Evie speak, is that we often patients don't know what medical student means. Often um I've had lots of patients who I've introduced myself as a medical student and then they ask um so does that mean that I'm going to become a nurse or a pharmacist and you often do have to go back and clarify and I, I actually had a really good consultant who after I'd taken a history from one of their patients um and then the um patient referred to me as, as his nurse the consultant corrected the patient and said oh Nikki's a medical student which means she's training to be a doctor and then subsequently every other patient that he introduced me to he said Nick is a medical student which means she's studying to be a doctor Um, and then um, I think the other question that you asked me with Charlotte then was about how I address um, doctors and seniors and again this is something that you and I have reflected on before because interestingly at the BMJ we have a whole thing about names and titles and you'll notice that when Charlotte introduced our expert guests today she used their full names and their titles and then since we've been referring to them but as Anna and Evie and I don't know about you Charlotte but for me that took so much getting used to because I prior to that had always called people by their full titles because it just felt it almost felt uh, rude not to um because of that hierarchy I guess um so it's now going back into clinical practice I always think three or four times before using someone's title or not using someone's title I look back at when I'm emailing my supervisors I look back to see what they signed off as last time it still feels strange to email them with their first name even if they signed off with it so yeah it's I think it. it even listening to the conversation there it has so many layers doesn't it so there's so many factors about your personal interactions with these people and how well you know them in advance and um, it's always safer I think as the student to just use the title if if that's what you if you know what their official title is.
0: Yeah definitely I was looking through some emails actually before we kind of got started on this podcast to try and work out what I usually do and I think if it's like in the placement context it's almost always dear doctor whoever or try and find their the correct title online. Um but I was also like looking through conversations with friends in group chats of what's so and so's title. I don't know how to refer to them in this email or on this placement. And I think it can be it can be quite confusing. Um and yeah, it can be almost a little bit stressful not knowing how to approach that and whether it's you're gonna do the right or the wrong thing. Um, so yeah it is it's super interesting. And Evie, do you have any kind of thoughts on how you like your medical students to kind of address you or address colleagues do you have any kind of thoughts on that
3: in my unit where we we don't have very many medical students but we have um uh, specialist trainees in ophthalmology ophthalmology specialist trainees whom we have to train and interestingly um I don't know whether our unit is particularly old fashioned, but they do refer to us according to our titles. They actually call me Miss Mensa. And to to be to be quite frank, um, the nursing staff refer to us as well um, by by off by our full titles in 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 my unit. But I have worked in units in London. There's one particular London teaching hospital where I did my training where we did refer to our consultant educational supervisors clinical supervisors our supervisors by their by their first name but and i don't know whether it's um this is a traditional thing for the particular hospital that i'm but i'm working at and the trust itself but people do tend to be referred to by their titles actually our administrative staff call us by and secretaries call us by our first name which is, which is, I've only just realised that just now, just really speaking. It's interesting that, isn't it?
2: <laughs> Do you know what, Evie? I'm just, just sat here chuckling because there's a real, I'm just thinking we don't probably pay enough attention to it. So we, we we follow a cultural norm that may well have been the cultural norm for a very long period of time. And therefore we end up not challenging it or not questioning it because it just becomes a norm. I have to say where I work, we're all pretty much first, First names. Occasionally, a medical student or a doctor in training will continue to call me Dr. Bavisock, and I occasionally have to say, Look, please call me Anna. It's much less of a mouthful. Um, I'm really interested in the supervisor-supervisee relationship because I think that's a different relationship than on the ward. So, a supervisor-supervisee relationship is in the office and it's a conversation around training. I, I guess for me that I always assume that everyone else used first names because it's a different relationship. I completely understand on the ward. And Evelyn, thank you. Evie. thank you for sharing the fact that you're, you know, a, a black woman. I'm obviously, I'm white. I'm a white British woman. And I therefore am often in the majority. I often massively recognise the privilege that's associated with that. And I think increasingly, you know, in Somerset, we're in the southwest, it's a very tends to be quite a white culture with geographically. But within our NHS trust, we're much more ethnically diverse. It is a conversation we are increasingly needing to have as people make assumptions about your role based on what they see and so we need to make sure that we're um we're good allies and we're bystanders and we're aware of that because actually we need to embrace that diversity and enable and enable that to enable everyone to feel included but I'm also sat here reflecting back when I was first a junior doctor again I hadn't really thought about it I was young people didn't assume that I was a doctor I used to get you know on doing then in adult medicine days, I used to get a lot of older people patting me on the knee going, oh, you remind me of my granddaughter, and you shouldn't be asking, <laughs> you shouldn't be asking me questions like that. So actually, I started to wear my glasses to work. I wear contact lenses normally. I'm chuckling because I've got glasses on today because it's a work day, but at home I wear contact lenses. So I, I kind of, I guess I put on a bit of a professional identity. I put my glasses on, I would tie my hair back, I would put on my white coat, and I would assimilate into... The white british stereotype of what looks professional um and now i guess i'm i've the last 10 years i've probably unshackled myself from some of that that's fascinating to me because i hadn't thought of that before now
0: yeah that is so interesting and i think that's like something we've touched on quite a bit on the podcast before is what does that actually what does it mean to like look like a doctor or be a doctor and you know why did you feel as so though you had to do all of those things it's just super interesting yeah no, I was just smiling to
1: myself there as Anna was speaking, because it was, Anna, you could have played sharp scratch bingo with the, your last sentence with all of our kind of buzzwords of professional identity and what professionalism looks like <laughs> and like mentors and mentees, It just takes every box so, is our kind of key themes.
3: Yeah,
2: and I guess it, it comes back to, I think we are an increase. we are a diverse workforce, but we're working in an organisation that was set up to further the careers of white, men. white
3: <laughs> British men. Sorry.
2: And, and so, and I was, no, it is, it no. absolutely is. And, and so, therefore, the, the institutions where we still are using the kind of the hierarchy, which is, was very important in the 50s and 60s when it was set up, but sometimes we've able to change that and other times we haven't. But it's not probably because we haven't wanted to. It's just that we become assimilated into the culture that we're sat in when we arrive. And actually, we therefore sometimes need to overtly be the change. And you must know that. I always say to medical students and junior doctors, the first two, three weeks that you're with us, you've, you're, you're not yet indoctrinated into our way. What are we doing that's, that's seemingly ridiculous? Because you will then become institutionalised to our way.
0: I think like it's, it's interesting hearing all of this and how like I think as we go through our careers as you know we as me and Nikki become doctors we'll kind of start thinking about this more and how how this kind of impacts on the patient as well as what it feels like for us um so yeah I think we'll come back and talk a little bit more about some of this right after this message from our sponsor. Indemnity.
4: You've probably not given it much thought, but it won't be long until the risk of claims and patient complaints becomes all too real. Whatever lies ahead, you need experts in your corner who offer indemnity and a whole lot more. That's why it pays to be with medical protection. There's our free membership during your medical school years, our wealth of training resources to help you become the best doctor you can be, and our international experience that protects you during your elective no matter how far from home you end up. In fact, There are many reasons why our members worldwide trust us to support and protect them throughout their careers. And if you're looking for one more, every week, one lucky new joiner wins 200 pounds. That's the average student weekly spend. Just join for free and you're automatically entered into the draw. That's why UK medical students choose to be part of Medical Protection. You can't blame them, so why not join them? Visit medicalprotection.org to find out more.
0: Okay, back to the show. Um, so I thought it would be good now for us to kind of jump into talking about when it feels kind of good or right for people to use doctor as their title. And we kind of mentioned some examples already of, you know, making it really clear to patients um, who we are and what our role is within the team. So,
2: so I think as, as Evie says, I think
0: when, when we really
2: need to clarify who we are in that role. So when there isn't, so for example, if there's a big... Multi-agency or multidisciplinary meeting that I sometimes go to, um, for everyone to know that I'm, you know, the con- the consultant paediatrician, the doctor. I think is sometimes a- important, um, and and as you know, as Evie says, if you're going to be operating on someone's eye, if I'm going to be doing something, you know, paediatric equivalent, I can't think of it in in my head. It's important that they realise it's with me. It, I don't get that lack of us. I don't; those assumptions aren't made about me now, but they were certainly made about me when I was younger. So I can remember doing a ward round as a pediatric registrar in scrubs, and I had a male medical student and a male SHO, and I'm not very tall, um, and the entire ward rounds everyone assumed that that one of them was the person making the decision and the male medical student was actually getting really embarrassed and was like trying to sit down was you, were, you know was re- but it was really interestingly really interesting doing a, a ward round with with two men and it became something we actually we talked about and, and it you know I wasn't offended by it it became we were working out if there was something that we could do to reduce the the balance but actually the assumption was as soon as we walked into the room but yes it, in meetings it always is a bit interesting to me when um my male colleagues are referred to as doctor or professor or mr or miss and i'm referred to as anna bavastock um i occasionally get a bit frustrated by that and and it particularly is a bugbear of mine if on um television interviews and radio interviews if you know the professor or the doctor or the you know the title is taken off the female um interviewee um so i would probably be quite overt about that at making sure that i was Um, titled in the same way probably I've gone massively off topic sorry
0: no no I think that's that's really on topic I was talking to a doctor who has done a lot of research in this area actually on panel interviews and how often the female doctors don't get referred to by their titles compared to the male doctors Um, and yeah I I think that's that's really exactly the kind of thing we want to be talking about
1: yeah I think with that it's about consistency so if you are using titles, then everyone deserves to have their correct title especially on these kind of TV interviews where you see, they go all over Twitter don't they, as soon as someone doesn't have their full title, which is why I think one of the um, pros of the way that we do it at the BMJ is that no one has those titles and actually I remember when whenever we'd be editing pieces and we'd be getting people to check their comments, often female doctors would send their pieces back and and they would have reinserted their title and that must come from just having to having to reiterate that so often and then you would just explain to them that it, the style in the BNJ is that no one has doctor so and so in in any piece um, and they would be totally okay with it but it was interesting that it would always creep back in on every edit because people are so used to having to reiterate and kind of fight for their title almost
3: it feels quite sad it's interesting this thing about titles and who is the specialist even as a consultant I've been in more situations than I would care to mention where they've automatically assumed that the um, ophthalmology specialist trainee that I'm training is the more senior doctor that's in the room. But I have had situations, a rather funny situation where I was doing, I'd seen a rather interesting patient who had interesting eye findings and, um, And my trainee happened to walk into that into the room and I had a very long consultation with this particular patient and um, the trainee watched in. I said, oh, um, can you have a look? Um, Oh, I said, would you mind um, if the my colleague had a look at, at your eye? And the patient said, "Oh yes, it's always." And I, I, think I did introduce who they were, and they said, "Oh yes, it's always very good to get a second opinion." And their the trainees, <laughs> their eyes, their eyes were like <laughs> rabbit in headlights. Like, and then also there were other situations where people, you know, patients that you, you know, that you've looked after for such a long time, they know who you are. You know, um, they know who you are, what you are. Um, but there have been actually, you know, having my name. On my scrubs, I don't know how really helpful or unhelpful that is because um, you can still have scenarios where people still don't really realise who you are. And sometimes it's not so much to do with the name, it's to do with your interaction with the patient, what you're saying, and they get it pretty quickly.
2: The other thing around names is actually it's really important that we know yes. each other's names. And I, I know that obviously in Simpson in, in training, particularly... Around theatre scenarios, and and there's so much evidence now, isn't it, that we need to know names and we need to know potentially first names. So obviously, I have my name. I I have my name on a lanyard as well as on. Because the trouble is with having a lanyard and then a badge is that your badge is kind of doing a 360 spinning thing, isn't it? So that you can't kind of see anyone's name. If you're working with a team that is new on that day, when you're in ED or when you're in theatre or wherever, I don't know. Is there a better way that we can show our names I don't know I'm not suggesting you know post-it notes on foreheads but actually sometimes you just really need to know what everyone's names are and it's really awkward when you
0: don't. Yeah I think Nikki I don't know if it's the same for you but as a medical student as well and it must be even more like challenging for patients to know who's who but you walk into a room full of full of people and it's really difficult sometimes to know who's who so I guess actually introducing with titles...
1: And also, it's something that I was reflecting on with my um, friends literally the other day. Um, In final year, we can't be signed off by F1s. So when we need to present to someone and we have to go into the doctor's office, we obviously don't know out of the juniors who are F1s and who are F2s, 3s or trainees. And it feels so awkward to kind of be Asking for someone who's F2 or above as if the F1s aren't good enough for us, but there's no way of us kind of identifying them by looking at them, so we have to kind of say, Oh, is there anyone available to sign us off? Oh, we are final years, so we, it does need to be an F2. I'm so sorry, mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's just something that in terms of introducing ourselves and like trying to find people that who are match what we so, need so as well.
3: Yeah, Anna's just reminded me about something with the, the theatre scenario because it's true, because in theatres you, you don't really know who is who you don't know you don't know who, who's a nurse you don't know you don't know who's an HTA. you don't know who's a you don't know who is surgeon now the thing is is that at the end of the day what it all it is about is what anna talked about right at the start when she was talking about all our roles it's about kindness it's about civility that's literally all this titled and named stuff that we t- that we're actually talking about Every, it all boils down to being civil it all boils down to being kind to each other. That's what it really boils down to. Yeah. Th-
2: there's there's a respect here, isn't there? So, so my absolute pet peeve is people who treat me differently than the person that they've just spoken to because I have a different level of respect. And I have occasionally, you know, if it's appropriate, taken, and actually more than occasionally, taken people aside and said, OK, the level of respect you just gave me is what you should be giving everyone, no matter what their job title. Because... Every single person within this hospital is working for the same aim of, of delivering really good patient care. Um, and so and actually, so therefore, don't change. You don't dial up or dial down respect based on on hierarchy. I guess that's the downside of we clearly work in a hierarchical organisation. Anyone that tells me that the NHS isn't hierarchical and we need to be aware of that. But that should not impact on our day to day interactions that we have with every single staff member colleague that we work with is one of the reasons that kate granger set up the hello my name is campaign because she was so aware that she was, you know... Um, if listeners don't know about it, I'd really recommend them looking it up. Um, it's, it's a, She a, was a really, really inspirational lady. And and it was sparked by, you know, she was in hospital needing treatment, the amount of people that didn't introduce themselves. And I think it was a hospital porter who came in and said, hello, my name is... And, and she suddenly thought, actually, you know... So she then felt immediate trust and immediately safe in his hand as he was wheeling down to her procedure. So... The important thing is that we introduce ourselves and as Evie said it's that respect of each other without without the the assumptions that we all make about each other Um, and that we should be really self. I think that's we we need to be really self-aware about that and some of us are and some of us I guess have still got a bit to learn.
0: I think that's like a really good a really good point to come on to um yeah we'll come back and talk about some of that right after this advert.
5: I'm Dr Matt Morgan and alongside working as an intensive care consultant I work as part of the BMJ On Examination team to support you in passing your medical exams. You can get access to our personalised revision resource online and in our app for years 1-3 to totally free as well as a huge 40% discount on our medical student finals product. We'll help you pass your exams by making sure to maximise the best use of your time. We'll deliver you the most important questions, keep you on track with daily reminders, and give you feedback to show how you're performing. We are committed to making revision easy, so start your journey to passing first time today by visiting onexamination.com to sign up or by downloading the OnExamination app.
0: Okay, back to the show. I think it'd be interesting for us to kind of talk about moments where using Doctor doesn't feel like the right thing to do and how actually maybe people not using their titles might help us to dismantle some of the hierarchical structures in the NHS.
2: I guess the moments where you need to connect as two humans without your job titles it feels right. I think there's also 11. So I was chatting to my husband, so my husband's a GP and I was chatting to him about this because he was asking me about what I was doing and he's really interesting and as I'm sure like many GPs would tailor his introduction depending on the age of the patient. Evie, I'm sure you probably do the same. You know, he would use Mr. or Mrs. Jones for an older person and then there's the sort of middle, middle group that you're not sure about and then the younger person he would use f- first names. Um, and he then would have patients who would say, Oh please call me by my first name and he would have to make a real note of that one. so, you know, there's a there is an age code and I was actually sat here reflecting. I don't know if it was the same for you, Eva Graham. So I grew up grew up um in um, so in London and then in Surrey. And quite a lot of my mum's friends I would call Mr or Mrs at at that stage. I wouldn't dream of it now and none of my children's friends would call me Mrs or Dr Bavistock. so there is a there is a generational change that has very much happened just in the you know 50 years that I've been on the on, on the planet but back to your question I think when you're connecting as two humans it
3: feels right to get the names right it's very reckon. difficult because I just think that it just depends on the situation um it, it really does I mean I, I don't actually I, I, with patients I, I actually do not use my title I don't use my title and I noticed it I, as we were coming to this podcast today. I noticed when I was doing my clinics that some of the patients that know me were calling me Miss Mensa. But i wasn't necessarily saying to them, "Oh, call me Evie because they're calling me miss Miss Mensa because it, they're doing it as a form of respect because i have I, my specialty is a medical retina specifically in diabetic retinopathy, so I have two levels of patients I have my type one diabetic patients who are much younger um, than my older generation patients who are type twos and um my older generation i mean my diabetic clinic is is filled with a third. Um, white patients, a third black and a third South Asian, you know, and everything else in between. So um, some patients will call me doctor if they're older because they're from that old school sort of like generation, whereas my young um, ones will maybe just call me Evie. It doesn't offend me in any way uh, whatsoever because they know who the professional is that's actually, you know, going going to see them. When it comes to patients, I definitely will use their titles. You see, I come from an environment of being brought up in the northeast of England by Ghanaian parents. And, and in Ghana, in West Africa, it's very much a respect thing between uh, your elders and between your, um you know, the younger generation. So we always used to have to refer to, um they weren't our aunts and our uncles, but if they were Um, if they were scar or they're black we would have to say auntie and uncle and if it if they were white we would call them mr and mrs so so i have this sort of like ingrained in my psyche so if i see anybody that's older but you cannot call you they say what was the saying that they would used to say that that they're not your age mate they're not your age mate so how dare you (laughs) call them (laughs) by their by their first their first name. But you know, but I've had situations where patients that I'm operating and I'm saying, Oh, Mr. This and Mrs. That and there was and they'll say, Oh doctor, could you mind calling me by my first name? I'm like, Of course I can, you know. So it just depends, it's it, it's changeable. It, there's no right and wrong way.
2: Can I ask about so I increasing diversity we ha- we often have students junior doctors patients that have that na- the names that we can't pronounce I- I'm really interested in what finding out how how what people's tactics are around that because I really like to get a name right and I will spend a bit of time trying to do that but I'm aware that some of my colleagues find that really uncomfortable because they they
3: don't like I to think ask. you ask <laughs> I'd have a go I do it all the time and I'll say the name and I'll say and when they get I'll say oh I'm so sorry um did I did I pronounce that well? Oh, could you could you say it back for me so that I I know next time. I just do that. Oh, can you just Did I say that well? Did I not? Oh, I'm really sorry. Can you can you please say it so that I can hear how it sounds?
0: Yeah. I think asking is kind of the key like takeaway here because I was thinking when you were talking about like um addressing your patients as, you know, Mr. whoever. I I think we've maybe moved away from that a bit now, Nikki. I don't know if that's something you find as well. As part of my opening spiel, when I check patients' full name, date of birth,
1: and that my next follow up is, and what would you like me to call you today? So that's kind of what I've been taught to do since five years ago when I first started medical school and was first taught to take a history, and it's become part of my kind of day to day life as well. I, I find myself yeah, kind of you know falling what? back Let into me tell you that. Something.
3: that. I don't know, but. That can sometimes come across as slightly passive aggressive, you know, what would you like me to call you today? Because it's almost, especially when you're younger, you know, you then th- feel that what the person is saying is that, oh, what do you want me to call you? Like, I, w- I don't know, mentally, like, oh, you, you're you trying to work out in your head. Are they asking, are they saying that they want to call me by my first name? Do you, do you, do you understand That's what I'm saying? That's interesting, actually.
1: No, I've never thought about that. I
2: guess I've never questioned it before that's interesting
3: I wonder Evie as well as if it's
2: different because Nikki and Charlotte are obviously a bit younger I don't know is there a generational I don't know I but the weird thing about getting older is you don't realize you're getting older until it creaks when you stand up and you look in the mirror and you're not what you imagine so you kind of you obviously but I'm really aware that when I was you know, when I was start you know, I can still very, very much remember being a medical student and a, and a junior doctor. And there are some things that clearly have changed. And I haven't I haven't deliberately changed it, but it has evolved. But but Evie and I both clearly grew up in a different generation. So therefore, we well, I guess we're kind of in the middle of that now, aren't we? So we're looking after you know people of our parents' generation and people of our children's behave- generation and 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 beyond. Um, I, there's probably no one size fits all. It probably is what feels right to us. So I I'm just sat here thinking that I usually introduce myself to the child, get the parents' names, and then. Do you know what? I almost do it the other way around. I wonder if I use their first names quite a lot because the, many of the parents of the children that I look after are younger. Um, am I making judgments based on what I see in front of me? To, I don't think I... I very rarely use parents' titles. I sometimes use grandparents' titles. Um, so actually I'm making some real assumptions there that I hadn't really thought about. That's really interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I think I do the same, which I think is... It's probably even worse for me to be doing that as as um, as a medical student. And how do you know what their
2: first name is? How do you know what they what name they use? Because I obviously ask them because I don't have it written down. But you kind of, if you're just using the name that's given to you, it's sometimes completely not what they're called, isn't it?
3: I think I think it's difficult because I mean, if you're talking about, I'm just talking of my older generation, uh, Black African, Black Caribbean. Older generation patients. And if I had somebody um, like a Nigerian patient or a Ghanaian or someone like that, and I just, I, I could not, I could not call them in their 60s, 70s, or 80s. I'm sorry, but it's not happening. I no. am not, I am not, <laughs> I am not calling them by their first yeah. name. And actually, even if they were white, I am not calling them by their first name, right? From a cultural point of view, mm-hmm. I've got the um, the benefit of being brought up in that type of household. And I can tell you full on that a Nigerian, you know, elder woman, <laughs> if you call them by their first name, they may take offense. And so there's a cultural awareness. Mm-hmm. I think it's to do with age, it's to do with respect um, and I think that um, and I think with your with you with the with the patients and the pa- the parents of the patients that you 're dealing with they're a younger group of people and i definitely yes. i think i would i might when i 'm calling them from the from the from the waiting room calling them to come into my room i I will say I will actually say their first name and their surname because I need to make sure i 've got the right person but then when as we get to know each other, I just morph into just saying their first name. But I won't do that. That morphing does not happen. <laughs> that slipping yeah. into no, first names does not happen for my older patients. <laughs> it, it's a great point. I'm just sat here as well, Evie. I'm really
2: interested. So there's a, there's a few occasions, just coming back to your original question, Charlotte, where I use Dr Bavistock or Dr Anna Bavistock deliberately formal to create a Distance. little bit of a protective yes. barrier. So you know some of the clinical situations that we get involved in as paediatrics some of the more challenging conversations that i need to have particularly if i'm going in as as the the consultant opinion they've been seen before i will deliberately do that and i think i'm probably doing that to create a little bit of armor around myself um because it's quite deliberate
0: yeah, I think that is really interesting. You said earlier something about dialing up and dialing down. And I think that is it's really interesting how we use that almost potentially subconsciously, just kind of, you know, whip out the doctor's title to create that, <laughs> to create that distance as and when it's needed.
3: You see, the thing is, is that because we're female, all right? in a male dominated profession of medicine and it is it's male dominated and it's all geared towards the white male and that is a fact all right so sometimes we do have to ramp our titles up and we have to ramp it down um, and take into consideration all the other intersectionalities protected characteristics (laughs) etc
1: Evie, I've got a question for you. Actually, I was wondering what your thoughts are about the surgical culture of kind of going back to Miss or Mister, and whether that's ever confusing for patients, whether that, um, their surgeons are don't have a doctor title. I don't think so. Title. I think
3: when you're in a surgical environment and you're due to have an operation, especially if you're a long-term patient, I think pa- I think patients who are in that environment they they, they get it and they actually and un- they actually understand. Okay, that. I don't yeah. use my title miss because i think that they'll think you know i used to think that they think i might be the secretary there was absolutely nothing wrong with being the secretary but I, that's one of the reasons i think i particularly drop miss as a title when i introduce myself to patients is because i don't want them to think I'm mm-hmm. um, the they won't think i'm a nurse because i'm not working at wearing a nurse's uniform they might think i'm admin staff or they might think i'm a secretary or something like that do you understand so uh I, yeah. I, I think I think, but but patients are on that surgical pathway or in that surgical clinic. They normally know yeah. what what it means.
0: I think that's like helpful to clarify because that can be a whole a whole thing of itself. You know, we kind of haven't talked as much about what kind of culture that creates between colleagues. I know, Anna, this is something we talked about.
2: Yeah, I, I think names is part of it, but I think Evie's right. I think it's also about that that wider expectation around respect and name is part of that but it is also just much more about the content of the, the conversation that you have beyond the first name um before, beyond the name so, so for me i i want to be able to create an environment where no matter what the hierarchy in the room is in a clinical situation everyone feels able to speak up so if you're in a resus situation and the hca is the one that spots that something's happened that they feel able to speak up and the research probably shows that if people know each other's names they're more likely to speak up i don't know if i've really seen the research around whether it's first names i think we sometimes make the assumption that a first name culture is a safer culture to be honest i think it's people knowing each other working with each other and knowing each other's names if you're in an environment where you have never met people before and you're coming in to a recess situation, it is about the culture of the department beyond that situation that will make that feel safer and that innate ability to speak up. So I think we sometimes assume that if we all call each other by our first names, we therefore have a good, friendly culture where there is no bullying and there is no, and we all respect each other. Actually, some of the most uncivil departments that I've been aware of do have a first name culture, so I think it is not. First names, uh, the familiarity of first names may help, but actually, it is it is more than that.
3: Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with Anna wholeheartedly. It's interesting that you said some of the most uncivil departments were where people <laughs> 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 knew the knew the first names, and it but that civility and kindness is, it goes beyond people's first names it goes it, it's 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 down to respecting each other seeing everybody as valued members of that wider multidisciplinary team every every every, every uh person is integral every every person is is important you know so, so for medical students for
2: medical students the really top tip is to look at how your team yes. speak to the hcs the cleaners the pas the exactly. admin staff the estate so you know because actually if you're if you're only being respectful along the top along and up and there's a problem that's a really good point evie thank you yeah
0: and i think that is probably a nice note to wrap up on actually So yeah, that's all we have time for today. Thanks so much to our panellist, Nikki, for joining us and to everyone at home for listening to this episode of Sharp Scratch and of course our brilliant expert guests. I'd love it if you could support us by leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts or by sharing it with the people you know. Tell your friends about it. That really helps people find the show. Next time we're going to be discussing whether it's ever appropriate to share your own stories of health and illness with a patient. So get in touch if you want to share any thoughts on that. We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram also be sure to check out the BMJ's new word game clinical it's really fun and you can find it on our website if you'd like to hear any other episodes subscribe to sharp scratch wherever you get your podcasts and in two weeks time you'll be notified of our next episode until then goodbye from us